0: Show CBS announces more details about their Serie A coverage, our thoughts on ESPN's first week of La Liga coverage, which league gets off to a big start with TV ratings, and your feedback in the listener mailbag segment. I'm Christopher Harris, aka The Gaffer, joined alongside my co host Kartik Krishnayer. So, what is this podcast? It's uh, unfiltered. It's our honest opinions about soccer coverage from a hardcore fan's perspective. But both of us have also been uh, long-time soccer journalists covering the game in this country. And uh, we are nothing short of uh, some honest critiques, whether a positive or negative. So... Kartik, it's been an interesting week from this past week. There's been a ton of soccer. Uh, I know that I've watched everything from some of the, the women's games, yeah, the uh, Women's International Champions Cup. I watched some of that this week. I watched uh, MLS. I watched, uh, of course, the Premier League, the Bundesliga, Ligue 1, Championship, and probably some other uh, leagues too. But um, what would you say in terms of uh, most of your coverage thus far for me, it's been the Bundesliga. I've actually probably watched more Bundesliga this week than anything. But what about you? What, what, what have you been watching?
1: Yeah, I guess I've, I've not watched a whole lot. I mean, I've watched more championship than anything. I've watched five or six matches from the championship. Uh, ESPN Plus is showing a lot of championship matches this year so far. Um, in fact, even showed us that late Swansea-Sheffield United... I'm sorry about that match for you, although you guys got a draw. Uh, that late Swansea-Sheffield United kickoff on Saturday, which I wasn't expecting. They'd already shown two, two matches that day. Uh, and uh and Bundesliga those have really been the two big focuses i've been basically distracted by covid uh in florida i haven't really paid attention to much else uh news wise or soccer wise mm-hmm. other than that so uh but yeah the uh the 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 championship in the bundesliga which puts me on espn plus uh and a little bit of la liga uh, permanently and uh this is uh this is the challenge i think e- For me, in watching NBC at this point and the Premier League, because I'm comfortable now um, on ESPN Plus with the multicast and I can watch Bundesliga and Championship and La Liga all at the same time uh, on the same platform. And uh, the Premier League's not on there. Serie A's not on there either. And we'll have to see this week what my viewing habits are like with, with CBS's Serie A debut. but. This is always a danger, and I, I sense I'm not alone in this. Where you just kind of gravitate to what's on ESPN Plus.
0: Yeah, me, me too, me too. And and this is something that was not uh, orchestrated. This is you I mean you go off and do, watch your games that you enjoy. I do the same thing too. We don't really talk much uh, midweek regarding what we have watched, but uh, yeah, for me too, I'm, I'm watching a lot more stuff on MultiView because there's so many games on. Like so, like, this past weekend, this past Saturday, I would have had probably using my Apple TV and ESPN Plus and then the Multiview feature on there, as well as Fubo. Fubo TV has a multi... I think they call theirs Multiview and then maybe ESPN calls theirs Multicast. Uh, Watching, I think, two games. So I had two Premier League matches on at the same time. I think I had four Bundesliga matches on. And then I may have had another monitor watching a championship or league or uh or something else i don't know so much soccer from around the world the, the only challenge the only thing i i find that I'm kind of missing out sometimes on that is that uh i might have one of the monitors or tv screens muted so i miss the commentary but i'm still watching the pictures um but watching a ton of soccer and uh Everything from that Man United win against Leeds United, I mean, the 5 1, pretty uh, straightforward victory there with some you know, incredible firepower, to the Chelsea win uh, over Palace on Peacock. But uh, I did watch a few games with, from Peacock. Um, the Sunday's Tottenham Hotspur against Man City game, Kartik, I thought it was an interesting contrast. Going from that game, which was high intensity, high-level football, um, non-stop, really excitement levels pretty high, and the fan base. I mean, the fan base and the atmosphere in that stadium, and even go back to, what, Brentford against Arsenal on that Friday, I mean, all the way through the entire weekend, the number of people in in the stadiums um, unmasked, but, but incredible atmospheres, and then going from that... Just, just a great ending to that Spurs-Man City game, flipping the channel and then going to ABC and ESPN Plus for the coverage of the game between Barcelona and Real Sociedad. And what a difference. You mean the, Obviously with uh, social distancing in Spain, not as many fans in the stadium, uh, with the uh, Camp Nou being a much larger stadium. Uh, you know, it was, uh, was sixty to eighty thousand people, but only having about thirty thousand fans in there, it looked practically empty, and the atmosphere wasn't there. The game was great for Barcelona, for the neutral, so-so, but the uh, coverage from ESPN and ABC was great. But just what a contrast between the two, and and ultimately, it was a little bit of a letdown. I I thought. carter did, did you catch any of uh, ESPN's coverage?
1: Of. La Liga, yeah. I mean, I think it was uh, it, it, it was what we expected, right? There was no there was no real surprise to me. Um, I didn't catch the Barcelona match, however, I did catch the Real Madrid match on Saturday, um, and I, I thought it was it was pretty straightforward. It was uh, there had been so much build up to it. I, I think that there that's almost they built the expectations so high based on. Um, the the releases and and the and uh, of the studio team and the reporters and the match commentators that it was um, as expected I I I wouldn't say it was bad it didn't it didn't uh, it didn't uh,
0: no it's was, it's was the same for couple, me too uh,
1: under my expectations yeah it, yeah it was, at no, my level of expectation it, me too me too I wasn't wild by it
0: yeah yeah I, w- I was uh, I would say no surprises on my part watching it I thought it was well done. Um, Nothing incredible where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely amazing. Uh, nothing bad, so it was exactly what I thought they they would do, and which is very professional. Uh, it was great seeing Maka and Ian Dark uh, in the commentary booth, and they had video of that kind of. He had the live shot, they had the camera, so you could see them um, pre-match talking about the game, and uh, Maka talking about some of his experiences playing uh, for Real Madrid at Camp Nou. And just the atmosphere and you mean, playing with Figo and all the experiences. And, and then Ian Docks talking about some of the games he had commentated from uh, La Liga in the past, probably for one of the British broadcasters. But uh, overall for the, week, the weekend, it wasn't the most memorable weekend f- uh, for La Liga based on you know, results or, or uh, what happened on the pitch. But um, it's a good start and it's just the first first game week of a what an eight year deal this is something we'll have to get used to the, the other part of this Carter, I think is interesting too is that last weekend both NBC and ESPN had quite a few games on television so we had you I mean of course Man United and Leeds Man City and Spurs on the on the Premier League side on NBC side and then we had the big game Barcelona, Real Sociedad uh, on ABC, as well as ESPN Plus on uh, La Liga side. Now, this coming weekend, it's a different tune. You've got uh, on the Premier League side, you've got Liverpool against Burnley, Peacock. You've got Southampton against Manchester United, Peacock. And then on the uh, La Liga side, all of the games on ESPN Plus. And it's going to be a while before we see another game on ABC or ESPN or ESPN2. Having said all of that, though, Kartik, this weekend actually is um, by Leverkusen against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, twelve thirty Eastern Time, Saturday, ABC and ESPN Plus. Also, uh, my game of the week to watch. Um, do you think we, we can expect anything different from this one? I mean, are we going to get, uh, you mean La Liga level of coverage for the Bundesliga on on this big game?
1: Uh, probably not, but the, but Bundesliga's production or is much better. I, I wanted to point out that the, the German Super Cup. I, I don't know if you saw it, but
0: yeah, the, game of the uh, week. Pre-match, actually, actually, pre-match, yeah, no, what's right?
1: The, the, the pre-match, so they 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 take the camera from pitch level through the tunnel, walk you through the media room, walk you through the setup into Borussia Dortmund's dressing room um, with the camera with a drone, however they did it, and. Uh, through the concourses of uh, 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 of of the of the lower level of the stadium where the players come out et cetera, and then back onto the pitch nice. and it 's that level of production we don 't see that kind of like that kind of neat behind the scenes thing maybe you get that on club channels uh three days later uh, after a match, but that was really cool, so are we going to get Bundes uh la liga level treatment from e s p n no, but will we potentially get actually better production level? Maybe just with the with the way the Bundesliga produces matches right uh, and ESPN with Derek Ray and Casey Keller uh, will call the match on uh, uh, for ABC on ABC all
0: right Kartik, I have to ask you, do you like the the new score bug that the Bundesliga is using
1: <laughs> so I did this on Twitter um. Simultaneously, because I was like we said, we were doing the multi, multi-view, multi-cast. Um, and so the Bundesliga, what's really interesting is the championship, the EFL shrunk their sport score bug this year, this season. It's it's smaller, and I, I guess you probably have noticed that by now, Chris, watching Swansea. Score bug slightly smaller than it was, a little less busy at the top. Um, then the Bundesliga has gone the other direction, they've taken the team names off, the city names off, and they now have three-letter. Initials with this huge gaudy colored thing with a guy kicking. In fact, some people were confused this weekend and wanted to know what what club logo the guy kicking. That's the <laughs> the logo. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it's going to take some getting used to. It was really gaudy. I don't like the name, the the three letter abbreviations being used. I uh-huh. hate that. That doesn't tell for for most fans. What is SGE? Okay, do you know that's Eintracht? The the Dortmund Eintracht game was do uh, was BB BB uh which we know is Dortmund. Or they, actually, people may not know that's Dortmund versus V uh, SGE. Um, uh-huh. A lot of people may not know what that is. Although the colors are appropriate, I think I'll get used to it. But I really liked the old Bundesliga scorebug. Uh, that having been said, like the production level of the Bundesliga games is is really really good. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, uh, the score bug is something we probably will get used to. I actually like the new championship, the slimmed down score, score bug, without all the busy EFL and, and like those, those kind of designs on it this season. I think they've done a nice job.
0: Yeah, so I like the Bundesliga score bug and a few different reasons why. One is just the – I mean, oftentimes somebody like myself could be walking through – a living room, our living room, or walking through a bar, and you look up and see the screen, and you glance up, and usually that's the first thing you look at, and it's very visible. I mean, it's it's a lot larger, like you said, it uh, stands out. You can't you can't miss it. I like that. I can imagine them thinking about it in terms of the design and the size of the scorebug, thinking, okay, if we're in a crowded pub or bar. Or, Restaurants and the games on television—that's a great way to actually uh, identify. I mean, the score, but also to give the Bundesliga kind of a, a different look and feel because it is very different than any other league out there. I mean, most other leagues are pretty, pretty standard. I mean, they use different fonts and graphics, things like that. The other part of it too, I think it's very trendy as far as just um, hashtags and being able to quickly figure out what the hashtag is. You mean yes? You may not know what you mean uh, BVB means, but you know. While well, you, after a while, if you're into German soccer, you'll know. Okay, that's Dortmund. And a little bit later, then you, you'll figure out. Okay, what does that actually stand for? Um, and you mean SGE or you know, Eintracht Frankfurt, and what does that stand for? And why why is it not? You mean FRA or EIN for Eintracht Frankfurt? So I like it. I, it's definitely not for everyone, and I'm sure there's a lot of listeners right now are probably thinking, "Chris, you're an idiot." <laughs> I get that all the time, anyway. But uh, I like it, and I, and I think it's kind of a, an adventurous uh, move by uh, the Bundesliga. And you're right; the production value, Kartik, is incredible. I I, I said to you before too about the I think you were mentioning the Super Cup, and I was like I was shouting game of the week. Actually, that was not the game of the week. I thought the game of the week was um, actually the Dortmund Frankfurt game, the five-two, Haaland. Absolutely on fire! Incredible performance. I really goals love that game.
1: too. Yeah. Uh, well, no, did he have a, He had one goal disallowed in that match. It was the uh, the Super Cup where Holland and Mukoku both had a goal disallowed. So, uh, yeah, no, that that match was phenomenal to the point where I didn't even turn on. Uh, I know this is sacrilege for some of our listeners. I didn't even turn on Liverpool Norwich. I don't know how the coverage was. I not I, I never watched a moment, minute of that match. I was watching. Uh, um, the uh, Dortmund match and then Real Madrid was playing right after ESPN uh, Plus also so just it kept going with that uh, and then uh, Swansea was playing Sheffield United, ESPN Plus also just kept going with that mm-hmm. so this is, maybe it's me Chris I, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening right now saying oh you're, an, you're idiots if you're not watching uh, Peacock and NBC that will, uh, if, unless there's a game that's not, uh, unless there's not a Premier League game on we're not turning ESPN Plus on but uh, once you're in the routine of watching ESPN+, Plus, it's at least for me, it was difficult to turn back to the Premier League this weekend, uh, which uh, uh, doesn't mean that I didn't watch the Premier League. I watched the Premier League on Friday uh, instead of the Bundesliga, actually, and I watched the Premier League on, uh, on Sunday. But I, on Saturday, when most of the matches were going on, I didn't even turn it on.
0: I I would say that uh, if we went back every single year that we've been doing this podcast and talk about the opening weekend of soccer season, I mean, we've been doing this podcast in various different uh, incarnations since 2006, which is hard to believe, 15 years. But if we went back even like the last three years of this incarnation of the the podcast, where we talk about kind of uh, the media side and the soccer TV coverage side, I would say that every single time right about now our viewing habits change slightly and I would say that so far this season I would I've watched less of NBC's coverage of the Premier League the pre-match halftime and post-match and I've been jumping around a lot more so I might have more games on split screens or if it goes to halftime I'm switching a channel because now I've got ESPN Plus, I've got La Liga games, I've got championship games, I've got uh, Bundesliga games, i mean, be in sports, I've watched quite a bit of uh, Ligue 1 the first couple of weeks of the season, and I'm jumping around a lot more than I would have done, say, a year ago, definitely two years ago. Two years ago, I would have been locked in, loaded, <laughs> watching NBC's coverage from from 7.30 in the morning straight through to about... Uh, probably three o'clock in the afternoon and, and, and but yeah my habits have changed absolutely
1: and, and the thing that i found interesting this weekend is a lot of people were uh diving into my dms on twitter telling me how bad the nbc coverage was and how um and i know it's a different audience than the people who leave yeah. comments on the world talker talk website who love nbc but that seems to have reached kind of a critical mass of at least people i'm friendly with too that uh there I, again i didn't watch enough of the uh coverage to critique other than to say i didn't see anything extraordinary or new Uh, i well i did watch the pregame on friday and that was two hours long i did watch that entire thing and it was eh, it was i I was looking for more honestly i was hoping nbc turned the corner on some of these things and they haven't it's just kind of the same stuff
0: yeah i i heard the opposite i heard a lot of feedback whether it's through comments or through uh tweets or messages or emails coming in saying hey I'm so glad the Premier League's back, and I'm really loving NBC's coverage. So, so, and again, too, it's one of those things we all have different styles and different tastes, um, and each of us come from diff- come at it from different uh, viewpoints, and we like different individuals differently, right? As far as kind of what we 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 like, um, I've just been watching less less actually kind of uh, shoulder programming. And just more game time, and just flipping from game to game to game to game. Um, probably part of that too is in the nature of me having, I mean, working, being a soccer journalist and, and covering all of this for World Soccer Talk, and you I mean being on social media and, and doing all these things. But um, I think even if I wasn't working and doing World Soccer Talk, I would still be doing the same type of thing for the most part. I'd be jumping around a lot more. But which I guess if I'm watching it alone, like I am. Um, it's easier to do that if I'm watching it with my family, or my kids, or my friends. I mean, they probably think, "Would well, Chris, calm down? You're you got uh, ADD. You're jumping all over the place. Just sit down and watch this game. Relax. Have a beer, and, and let's talk about this game." Speaking of games, Kartik, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Truthfully, I was going to
1: say, though, I think one really positive thing I have to say about NBC this weekend is – and they're going to do it again this coming weekend is, – uh, is the match on USA. So I uh, – I, 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 we know SN is going away at some point, but the fact that USA, which is a, a station with greater reach than NBC SN, maybe not in the minds of soccer fans, but they're coming off showing effectively both the men's and women's side of the Olympic soccer tournament almost exclusively on that channel – I like NBC's use of USA the first few weeks of the uh, Premier League season. So, from a purely, pr- you know, taking uh, shoulder programming and whether we like commentators or not, off, off of it, from a purely programming perspective, I think that's uh, that's something that hasn't been talked about enough, and I think is 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 a, is a very good look for the Premier League and might bode well for NBC in this window now in the next uh, next two months where they we where we, we assume they're. Uh, negotiating to extend their deal or for the next uh 3 years or 6 years. Now Chris,
0: if wait, you don't Wait wait wait. Renew- hang, hang on hang on Karthik. but but let me just uh, chime in uh, there on that one. I w- I would agree with you about having it on USA is great news for uh viewers and increasing the I mean the viewership because I mean it's in many homes, more homes than NBCSN. The the, the jeopardy with that though too is that NBC the first couple of weeks of the season have been flip-flopping. So originally on the USA network this past Saturday, opening uh, weekend of the, the season, it was supposed to be, I think, Everton against Southampton. And then they changed at the last minute and they put on, I think, Leicester Wolves and then put the Everton-Southampton onto NBCSN. Week two, which is this coming weekend, they did the same thing again, too. It was supposed to be Man City was supposed to be on uh, against... Um, uh, Man City was supposed to be on NBCSN and I think it was Aston Villa, Newcastle was supposed to be on USA and then they just flip, flip flipped it again so so that that's i mean obviously they're they're tinkering and probably trying to see how many people are watching the games on the USA and just trying to elevate those numbers or trying or, or seeing that it's doing really well and putting the big games on there I would just like to see some consistency there, rather than just kind of flipping the schedule and changing it around, and and confusing people uh, sometimes because they're expecting one game and ends up being something else. It, for us, That's uh, true. yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh. No, I was just saying for for us. I mean, I mean, on worldsoccertalk.com, dot com, we've got all the schedules and we update those. I mean, as soon as we find out that information. But for the the typical soccer fans, sometimes it can be a little bit confusing when. When they expect one thing and they get another thing,
1: so so my concern is if NBC somehow does not retain the Premier League rights, uh, the, these USA games I could see very easily just going away uh, if, if, at that point. So that's that's my uh, that's an overriding concern, uh, not really an overriding concern. I shouldn't say that that's a concern, but the overriding takeaway though is this is nbc showing to the premier league hey we're going to show you where we we have in that 3 p.m uh local time 10 10 a.m eastern time window we have the ability to 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 get greater reach uh on a network with many more subscribers that are in many more homes uh to you uh for for your league so i think that it may be all about the renegotiation the, the usa games
0: so what about and your- also
1: putting the bigger game on USA right Leicester <laughs> last week Man City this week flipping yeah. them with SN I think might be about the renegotiation that that's at least my hunch.
0: It's possible. It's quite possible. So what about your uh, game to watch this weekend? What would you recommend? Oh
1: yeah, so I- I'm going the Monday game West Ham Leicester in the Premier League. I think uh, those are two teams that were uh, almost crashed the top four party last season. Were very entertaining to watch the match between these two teams at the, bowling- at, the- at the London Stadium. <laughs> Five years I'm five years uh uh past in some respects, Chris. <laughs> that was just yeah. instinctive to say that. Uh the 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 match last season at the London Stadium between these two teams, which is toward the end of the year, was phenomenal back and forth match. And uh Lester has some uh some important new pieces in Samare, um and and uh now who came over from Southampton. West Ham uh despite not having Jesse Lingard uh didn't miss a beat, looked really good against Newcastle. I, I watched that game on Sunday. Uh felt like uh uh, Suchek and Bowen that midfield Declan Rice's back fit That they're, they're really good so looking forward to that match I agree with you from a purely broadcast perspective Leverkusen Labour, Gladbach is the match to watch this weekend uh, but from an entertainment football perspective I'm going West Ham-Western which is Monday with the Monday kickoff on NBCSN.
0: right and in last uh, weekend Newcastle against West Ham great game really good game I thought Newcastle really went for it showed some positive signs and West Ham has just been a a joy to watch last season and this season thus far, and of course playing Leicester, I you mean, know, kind of a high flying team. That one definitely will be a great game, and and, and that's the thing, though, Karthik. Too, I have to wonder, you, the, the crowd factor is a difference, is a differentiator. Yeah. So going into watching games this weekend, I'm sure a lot of listeners too will do the same thing. We'll probably switch on a game and. La Liga, so far, I mean, in terms of again, social distancing, uh, health protocols, etc. A lot of the stadiums are are qu- very quiet, very empty, and, and it feels like you're watching preseason friendlies. Uh, it'll take time before those numbers increase in the stadiums versus the Premier League, uh, where the stadiums are packed and noisy. The Bundesliga, the, those those fans are noisy anyway, so the atmosphere are good good in those stadiums. I just worry about La Liga losing some of the uh, the excitement and oomph that they could have gotten with some bigger st- bigger crowds. Now, Kartik, let's move on to uh, TV streaming news, and how have you kick it off with the latest?
1: Yeah, as we were just talking about NBC's opening weekend of the twenty one twenty two uh, Premier League season. Uh, The networks of NBC, which includes USA, averaged 630,000 viewers across TV and streaming offerings. Uh, This makes it the most watched opening weekend for the league since uh, 2015, when opening weekend uh, matches averaged 694,000 viewers. The NBC network game of the weekend, Liverpool versus Norwich, averaged 912,000 viewers, while Man City versus Spurs, uh, which was on NBCSN, Average 818,000 viewers, which shows not much of a gap between cable and broadcast, uh, interestingly enough, less than 100,000 viewers there. Uh, as a point-to-point comparison with, uh, with uh, La Liga, uh, uh, Barcelona, playing its first match without uh, Messi, opened uh, their La Liga campaign against Real Sociedad on ABC, which was right after... Uh, the, that Man City Spurs match on NBCSN and they averaged 465,000 viewers so almost uh, uh, they only had about six, 55 or 60% of the viewers uh, on network that the Premier League had on cable so yep. La Liga has a long way to go in this country that, that's a great point to point comparison and it's an it's a unfortunate one for La Liga but it lets them know how much work they have to do uh, ESPN and uh, relevant sports to, to catch up to the Premier League here
0: However, I would say though, Kartik, those numbers do not include ESPN Plus, and that's the big factor, right? Because you mean you and I are watching ESPN Plus. You mean I might I might be watching two or three games on ESPN Plus at the same exact time. You mean not everyone does that, right? But there's a lot of people watching these games. That Barcelona real Sociedad dad game was also on ESPN Plus. So that's a fact, and then that's the thing that's frustrating is we don't get those numbers. So nobody knows what those numbers are. Uh, on top of that, it doesn't include the uh, ESPN Deportes numbers. So you can imagine, too, I mean, tons of people tuning in for that to watch that game. So the four hundred sixty-five thousand that watch Barcelona Real Sociedad on ABC might have been much much larger. Might have been you know six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand. Uh, only espn knows and um and you mean it's up to them to decide whether to release that information but still it's it's a positive start and like you said too uh you mean it's a good start long way to go but uh um, may the best man win and speaking of best man winning uh i think uh Uh, Matteo Benetti and uh, Andres Cordero uh, have won in terms of being able to be appointed and be uh, hired by CBS Sports. So they are the the two new lead people for coverage of Serie A. Uh, Matteo Benetti is going to be the lead analyst for Serie A uh, on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports. And um, Andres uh, Cordero is going to be the uh, lead play-by-play commentator. Uh, From CBS Sports, they do expect to make more announcements in September. Uh, The studio is going to be based in New York City, so it's going to be a US crew. For the first couple of weeks of the season, um, they will have studio coverage out of uh, Stamford, Connecticut, out of the CBS Sports HQ. Uh, studio, so it's not when you see Serie a's coverage, which kicks off this weekend. Um, that's not going to be the expectation of what it's going to look like for the entire season. Basically, in a few weeks from now, I think we'll see the full gamut of what it's going to look like. But uh, as we mentioned, I think on a podcast a few, maybe a month ago or two months ago, as expected according to our uh, rumors and sources, uh, Matteo Benetti gets the job, and uh, Drake Codero we understand uh was in talks with ESPN and ultimately uh CBS Sports got him so i think uh, Kartik uh the dynamic dynamic duo are back again on uh yeah, on CBS that Sports
1: was, that was the lead lead team on VN for um for Serie for, A for a couple of seasons, Dre, Dre Cordero and Matteo Benetti have a really good chemistry. Should mention it was interesting to hear Mark Donaldson, who had been paired with Matteo Benetti the last three weeks, uh, the last three seasons, uh, doing Serie A on ESPN, call the Bundesliga match with Casey Keller. The, uh, uh, they, that was the Frankfurt match, right? The Frankfurt Dortmund match was, yep. uh, was Mark Donaldson and, uh, and Casey Keller.
0: Yeah, and yeah, Derek Ray doing La Liga this weekend. He's doing the Levante against Real Madrid game. It's Derek Ray and Stuart Robson and um, and also Mark Donaldson, and is doing a, a game this weekend too. So it's good in many ways. I think I think in terms of having those commentators, I guess for some of the purists, Kartik of the Bundesliga. There's probably less Phil Bonney and probably less um, Kevin Hatchard and and others. So a lot of the voices we've been used to hearing week in, week out, covering the Bundesliga. Uh, We now have a lot of the ESPN commentators and analysts in their place instead. All right, listener mailbag. Let's move on to Ted Hill. Ted says, I wanted to share some thoughts about uh, after hearing your discussion last week about fans that wear PSG or Dortmund kits but don't actually watch many matches or follow the team closely. I think what we're seeing is what has happened previously in the NBA, first with Michael Jordan and more recently with several superstars. More and more of these fans prefer to follow and root for players more than they do teams, and they will even change their team allegiance when their favourite player leaves. We have especially seen this with LeBron James. Additionally, there is more of a fashion culture now with wearing football kits, especially as you pointed out, the PSG is currently the only Jordan brand football kit. In the NBA, that certainly started with Michael Jordan, where everyone had to have his jersey, even if you weren't a Bulls fan. Nowadays, you will see fans that have jerseys of many players around the NBA, even if they're rivals. I think most. I think those two types of fans are also are more about big event fans, and do not wish to follow week in week out. They may get up for a big league match or once the Champions League knockout rounds come and for the big international tournaments, but they will not increase the weekly ratings for the league or other domestic leagues. I, I agree spot on with that one, uh, yeah. Karthik. I mean, really, really well said there by Ted.
1: Yeah, absolutely correct.
0: Next up is Tim Keane. All right, Tim, here we go. So Kartik, wasn't that a great weekend for the Premier League? Unfortunately, NBCSN was the same old, same old, whereby a person visiting from another planet would think only a few teams play, not 20. And who was the new Neil Ashton, the insider? So inside, I had never heard of him. (laughs)
1: <laughs> because the athletic unfortunately is uh, uh is not in in uh real circulation i mean the athletic has had all these interesting offers in the uk to try and get people for a pound or uh two pounds a week to uh to subscribe uh but here it remains kind of a, a cost prohibitive, prohibitive thing so i'm not sure he's the right guy in terms of just scope um, that people would understand. I
0: think the the, 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 feed- the feedback I've heard thus far, though, of those people who have watched um, um, David Ornstein, it has been positive. And then, and, and I, personally, I know he did the Friday game, Brentford Arsenal yeah. pre-match. Um, I think I had that on mute because I was watching... Probably the Bundesliga or something else at the same time. Yeah, as Bundesliga that.
1: and La Liga both had games at the same time, and as I said, that was the one time I watched the Premier League instead of those two. Uh, now, had I turned ESPN Plus on, I may not have got, come back to the to, to NBC. So it's a good thing I didn't
0: actually. Yeah, and like I said yeah. too, yeah, like I said I'm watching less pre-match coverage and more game time coverage. So I didn't get a chance to listen to what uh, David had said. And it, and, it, and it was a good re- a good weekend for the Premier League. I mean, from start to finish, really entertaining. And um, as always, there's a lot of talking points and, and not all of them are the top six, but the top six definitely with Lukaku back, I mean, with uh, Spurs getting a massive win, Man City and the hunt for Harry Kane, Man United and, and just in terms of the firepower that they have, Arsenal just, again, uh, been a you know demoralizing uh, defeat. And that's just the, kind of the, the the top six there. And then Liverpool, of course, uh, stay in the course. But uh, do they have enough there f- to keep it going and, and make a challenge? Um, and you go throughout the league and the, the, there are so many talking points. And, and that's the difference, I think, between the Premier League and La Liga well, but, and the competition, really, because you look at Major League Soccer. Are there that many talking points going on? With La Liga, same thing too. Yes, there's big matches happening, but are there any major talking points? And for the most part, not so much. I mean, that's what really makes the Premier League one of the most popular leagues in the world. It's because oftentimes it's the transfers and the players uh, that make you want to watch it. Paul says, I have enjoyed reading your articles on WorldSoccerTalk.com and some of those dealing with Peacock TV coverage of the Premier League. I wondered if you had noticed that they have performed yet another bait and switch regarding the replays of games. Last season, Last season, after removing them initially, they were showing all replays after 9 p.m. Eastern on game day. This season, any games shown on NBCSN are not available on Peacock until 24 hours later. As someone who lives on the the U.S. West Coast, sometimes the games are far too early for me to watch live, so it was useful to be able to watch at least the replays later in the day. The first weekend, there were four games on Peacock, all on Saturday. One game was shown on USA Network and the rest on NBCSN, and then the -the over-the-air game on NBC appreciate your work there at World Soccer Talk. So with Peacock, it it is very frustrating because they keep on changing everything. It seems to be... So week one, Paul's right. It seemed to be that they had waited 24 hours before showing any games available on demand for the games that were on NBCSN. Uh, But now it appears that they've gone back They've changed it, but without telling anyone. It looks like for this weekend, it looks like the games will be available on demand sooner than 24 hours later. But we we never know until we experience it. I mean, even from last week, too, they've missed... Um, uh, goal Rush. I think they had totally forgotten to put it on, so there was no Goal Rush on. So you mean, I mean, hopefully they'll fix that for this week and, and moving forward, especially with having all those ten a.m. kickoff games. I think Goal Rush would do really, really well right now on Peacock. So hopefully they'll bring that back. But I don't know. With Peacock, it's just been really inconsistent and and, and frustrating. United fans says when will the Premier League TV rights deal be announced? I, really, I just really want a ESPN and Fox joint bid to win the rights over NBC. NBC is terrible. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to see an ESPN Fox joint bid because ESPN spent 1.4 billion dollars getting La Liga. Fox for the most part is out of club soccer. I mean, it's all focused on the World Cup and the women's World Cup and Copa America, Gold Cup, I mean, the big tournaments. Uh, so I don't see them uh, doing a joint bid at this time. So we, we will find out the um, the winner of the Premier League TV rights um, for next season onwards um, within the next two to three months. Chris says, I am back after being gone last week due to a busy work schedule. I wanted to give a huge credit to Paramount Plus for stepping up and being the new home in the U.S. for the Scottish Premiership. The first few weeks of the season have been entertaining and it's great to see that the old firm is going to be aired on television again because it's, in my view, one of the biggest derbies in world football. My question to either of you is this. With ESPN having both La Liga and the Bundesliga for the foreseeable future, along with spending huge amounts of money on other sports, where does this leave ESPN and Major League Soccer in terms of renewing the deal beyond 2022 in your view. Kartik, do you want to take a, take a crack at that?
1: Yeah, I think uh, they, uh, they, they, uh, there's some concern about MLS's ratings not uh, going up appreciably the way ESPN wanted them to. However, I think that the package may be a little more affordable for ESPN now that they're going to be delinked with the, the U.S. men's and women's national team. I do think it is possible ESPN does not retain the rights, uh, that they just don't want to commit the amount of money that perhaps MLS is looking for in this deal. Uh, So I I think that's very much up in the air. I think it's very possible uh, that that the amount of uh, money they've outlaid on these other properties and this college sports realignment that's going on, that will be uh, i think the whole shakeout would have happened by the time uh, this, this new window for uh, MLS opens to negotiate where ESPN really seems to be dismembering, uh, uh, Disney and ESPN seem to be dismembering all the competition via college football rights and conference realignment, uh, may take them out of the MLS picture. Uh, however, I think, uh, MLS is in a very good position given the number of networks and streaming services that are interested in live soccer. And being the top men's domestic league in the country uh, is going to be worth something to somebody.
0: Yeah, very good point, Saikartik. To me, the the big question is what incentive is there for ESPN to go ahead uh, and renew the rights to Major League Soccer for the next um, right cycle? So. I mean, previously it would have been, the big one would have been, okay, hey, in order to show U.S. men's national team games and U.S. women's national team games, we have to go ahead and buy rights to MLS. But because they will be separated, um, that that incentive is gone now. Now you could bid on you know, U.S. national team rights separately than Major League Soccer rights. So then again, back to the same question, what incentive is there for ESPN to acquire or to renew the rights to MLS. I don't know, Kartik. I don't know. Because, I mean, even going back to last weekend, going back to Barcelona Real Sociedad, going back to the coverage of La Liga, the promos that they had on television, they had a promo for the Bundesliga with uh, David Hasselhoff and the great new commercial with the Hof. Then they had a promo, and then they switched channels, and they had uh, ESPN Deporters, and then they had a promo for um, uh, Liga MX, the, the Mexican League, the, the games that they've picked up uh, from that, from Fox. I didn't see any promos for Major League Soccer. Maybe during the commentary, they talked about coming up later, got the MLS game with... Uh, Atlanta coming up, and uh, that's you mean on ESPN two, I think it was, or ESPN plus later that 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 same day.
1: That yeah, was right after, but it was on another network.
0: Right, it's not. Yeah, it was, so it, ideally it would have been on ABC. It would have been just kind of like, hey, let's go from this one to the next one. I I just wonder, Kartik, if ESPN thinks okay, in order to. Get the most number of subs- subscribers. Let's focus. Let's double down on on foreign sports or, or on, on when it comes to soccer, foreign leagues, and um, well, that's where that, the growth is.
1: But, but that, the MLS, uh, MLS, Live, or MLS—I'm even forgetting what it was called. right. Direct kick. Uh,
0: oh uh, yeah, but all those games.
1: Yeah, right. So those games that go to ESPN Plus, maybe that's still. Uh, there's a lot of incentive to keep those, but that's a completely different scenario than keeping uh, th- 30 or 40 matches on uh, on linear television a year, which I- I'm not sure that they necessarily want to do, uh, given the numbers. I-, 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 I do know there are some people uh, – this is a little bit of reporting here – at ESPN that are concerned about the MLS ratings. They don't think they're terrible. They just don't think they've gone up uh, along – the same trajectory that they should, given the, the, the amount of money, the increased amount of money that's been shelled out for rights fees for MLS. Now, again, the MLS rights fees, you could argue, have been linked with uh, – well, they have been linked with U.S. soccer. So maybe the U.S. soccer numbers be, uh, being what they are also have an impact on that thinking. But uh, now they're going to be delinked. So ESPN uh, is going to have to make, I think, a hard business decision about uh, Major League Soccer in terms of at least – The linear product that the 40 or so matches they show on linear television each season.
0: Yeah, those ESPN Plus games too. I mean, only ESPN would know what the viewership uh, is for those games, those out-of-market games. Uh, in the next TV deal, all and they did
1: of it actually drive new subscriptions. So there are going to be people who right. turn around and say, "Oh, if you don't show MLS, I'm going to not subscribe. I'm going to cancel my subscription." Or if you don't show USL, they have the same deal going with USL. Yeah. I don't think MLS and USL have that huge an impact on ESPN Plus's subscriber base. I could be wrong.
0: I would. I would I like think they I would like to think think that they do but I I don't think I've ever heard a person say to me you know online or in person like hey I'm going to cancel my ESPN plus subscription because of a uh, possibility of MLS games not being on there anymore yeah. um, and and when you think about it too as far as ESPN plus you mean and, and soccer coverage MLS would have been there on day 1 MLS would have been the, the first games of you mean first soccer coverage ever on ESPN plus Uh, would have been MLS games, all those out-of-market games. And in the next TV deal, those out-of-market games are going to be bundled with the national package that's going to be offered to all the different broadcasters. And um, I think MLS is okay. I'm not worried about MLS. And and like you said, Kartik, there's a lot of uh, other tech companies and streaming companies out there that would be interested in bidding on the rights. And um, so you could have an Amazon Prime coming in and say, hey, we want to get all the rights to all the games and we will show them you mean, in partnership with Fox, in partnership with Univision, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but no, it's it's a great question and uh, and a great question from Chris about uh, what we think is going to happen. It's um, I don't know. I think it's especially spending $1.4 billion on La Liga. I mean, just way more than what they've spent on MLS. Um, that's a lot of money to spend. I mean, yes, they have bucket loads of money still, but, um, I just wonder if how that impacts their decision moving forward and whether to, uh, pay for a property that, um, they know doesn't really grow that much as far as the viewership numbers. And again, only they would know a lot of those numbers. Jason says, as a ESPN Plus subscriber, I am disappointed that they overpaid for La Liga rights, a league which I have no interest in at all. I fear one day they won't be able to renew the Bundesliga and the championship when those contracts expire because they will be hamstrung to the, to the uh, deal with La Liga. That would guarantee me dropping the subscription if that happens. Kind of a semi-miracle, by the way, that they got the Dutch Eredivisie back. And so, yeah, it's good to hear that the, the, the Dutch era is back. I, I wouldn't call it a semi miracle, um, but it does, it's a good, it's a, just as we were talking about before. How does the La Liga deal for ESPN Plus impact ESPN Plus's future rights acquisition? Uh, Bryce says, I'm sad that uh, Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe will be playing, and I won't be watching if it's only on BN Sports. I watched La Liga for years on BN Sports hated the streaming apps and poor technology i just can't see subscribing to a b BN sports carrier just to see league one matches when i have easier access to premier league la liga champions league efl mls etc not to mention all the other programming on espn plus peacock and paramount plus Mercator says, I'm not sure Messi will, uh, won't boost ratings. I had to sign up for Fanatis again after I cancelled when La Liga moved because my parents are insistent they'd be able to watch Messi. My eight-year-old nephew wants a PSG jersey for his birthday. I thought he was a Barcelona fan. <laughs> there is no one like Messi. He is the horse driving the football bandwagon. ESPN plus La Liga coverage uh, is quite impressive. Uh, What is the daily La Liga news show that they have? Seems like it was from La Liga TV and not an ESPN production. I've been enjoying it the last few days. Good to see Ian Joy back. They also seem to have a daily La Liga show. Overall, much more content than I've seen for any league on any broadcaster. ESPN really can do a good job when they make an effort. Uh, David Ornstein, by the way, is awesome. Does a really good job at The Athletic covering Arsenal with Amy. Him and Fab are the best in show in the show, uh, are best in show, in my opinion. Hopefully, this means more and better coverage of Arsenal. (laughs) I don't think the season will be kind to us, but so glad to have the Arsenal back uh, last week. Giovanni says, Hey, guys, now that Messi has left Barcelona, how will, will the club do this 2021 22 season in La Liga, Copa del Rey, and the UEFA Champions League? Your prediction, thank you, and God bless. Karthik, I'll take this one. I think, I mean, we as we saw against Real Sociedad, um, the level of competition is going is not going to be that difficult for the most part in La Liga. I, I could see. I mean, yeah, Atleti probably giving it's the usual suspects, right? Probably Villarreal, Atleti, and Real Madrid giving Barcelona uh, a tough time. I, I still question Barcelona's defense, the back line, and how porous it is. Same thing with Dortmund, too. I love Dortmund going forward. In the back, I'm always like, you mean, come on, Dortmund. Spend some of that money in the back and tighten it up a little bit because that's their weakness. And I think it's the same thing with Barcelona. So I see Barcelona having a very difficult time in the Champions League, but um, probably doing pretty well in La Liga and Copa del Rey and going to, you mean, the final two in both of those. What about you, Kartik? Uh,
1: maybe. I mean, I, I want to see if... if uh if Sevilla sells Kunde, I uh, want to see if there's uh, one or two other moves in and out of La Liga because I think Sevilla have a good team. Uh, this might be the last dance uh, for Rakitic. I think uh, Atleti are still better than, uh, than Barcelona or Real Madrid. Uh, nice opening weekend for, for, for Barcelona, but I do think that there are limitations in that squad. So I say third, uh, maybe fourth for them in the league.
0: All right. And last but not least, uh, anonymous, who requested uh, uh, she not uh, mention her name, uh, to says uh, to say this past week uh, was uh, a chaotic transfer. Wise would be an understatement in an age where most players don't stay uh, one club players. I thought Messi would, and alas, he will not be. I could ask so many questions about the transfer and that went ro- uh, and what went wrong. But the question that lingers with me is: Do you think Laporta and uh, Florentino's gamble to keep fighting for the European Super League is worth it? I see why they need to keep this fight going, but I can't fathom it materializing any time in the near future, as so many stakeholders, fans, and UEFA will use all resources to shut, uh, shut to shut it down, as they already have before. Now, I know you're you're never too short of opinions about uh, the ESL, the European Super League, but what do you think about uh, the question from Anonymous about about the gamble that Laporta and uh, Florentino made, and do you think it's still worth it?
1: Well, for them, it's absolutely worth it. But given how important it was, and we now know in hindsight, I think we suspected it at the time, but we now know in hindsight how badly both Barcelona and Real Madrid needed this thing, how... Their survival of their clubs, in terms of being these top tier clubs that could that were at the very top of the food chain in European football, were dependent on getting this uh, over the line. Why did they botch the launch so badly? That's the bottom line. I mean, it's they 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 were so arrogant that they thought, um, and their entire club clubs as we knew knew. No, it depended on this launch and depended on this thing going forward. How could they have botched it up so badly? So uh, that's that's the great takeaway for me now, reg- irrespective of my own opinion, which is very much against it. Uh, how, given those two clubs in particular needed this worse than anything, that they botched it so badly that it all it fell apart within seventy two hours. So that is uh, why I think it's not going to happen again soon. They might try, but. The powers that be being against them were partly because they botched it so badly. They uh, they made assumptions, uh, a rash of assumptions based on who they were that were um, completely incorrect. So uh, I think they blew it. Honestly, it's yeah. it's, it's uh, uh, too too little, too late now.
0: Yeah. So so the three main players in this European Super League uh, concept were what Barcelona and Laporta, Real Madrid really kind of number one and Florentino Juventus. Yeah. Two right uh, was it Agnelli, Agnelli. Yeah. right yeah. so the three of them kind of but then at the same time though Kartik you have to remember you mean you, of course you remember too but the listeners we have to remember you mean Chelsea Liverpool Manchester United uh, etc it, it, and that's the thing about this though too is like what the the dirty dozen really right um, I think they all underestimated the power of the fans I think they all underestimated the public and thought that. Uh, that the public wouldn't stand up, wouldn't fight against this, wouldn't be so vocal. That you would, you mean, a Gary Neville, you know, as the perfect example of, of kind of the leader of this um, anti movement against this, being so vocal about this on a broadcaster that has the rights to Sky, I mean, to the Premier League, that was probably had a good chance of probably getting the rights to the European Super League. This would be a moneymaker for them. But Gary Neville and the fans kind of standing up saying, like, hell no, we, we don't want it, hell no, we want, we don't want the ESL. And, and I wonder if that's part of it, um, where they were just out of touch with reality and didn't think that the fans would object to this. But then again, too, internally, too, there might have been a lot of yes men. Internally, they might have thought, okay, this rush this, we need the money desperately. Um, yeah, don't worry about kind of in terms of uh, the, the, this plan, it, don't worry, we, we won't botch it. But ultimately, um, yeah, I don't think it's worth it. I mean, I, and I think I've, with the financial trouble that Barcelona is in, um, I mean, A is in a lot of financial trouble too. Real Madrid's got some issues. I mean, especially with the building of the new stadium. Uh, I mean, Barcelona's is building um, going to be doing a major redevelopment too. or had planned to it. I mean, it's one of it's a dicey game to play. I mean, being so much in debt and leveraging so much of this this money and then at the same time seeing an opportunity to make a ton of money but also to make it a closed league so that that would guarantee them vast sums of money in the future. Um, yeah, you were against it. I was against it. And um, yeah, I don't think it was worth it. I, I think for me, in the back of my mind, I'm still going to have a bit of taste, especially about Barcelona, Real Madrid and Juventus. I mean, I'll, 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 I won't forget that. I will remember that for many, many years, Kartik. What about you?
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, it's impossible. I mean, there's, there's someone who told me this week that, uh, and I, I was really surprised. I'm trying to remember who it was that told me, that I talked to, that told me now they dislike Barcelona and Real Madrid as much as they dislike Bayern and they were always, you know, the, the who said, Oh, Bayern buys everything. They buy all the best players in the world and uh, are all the best players to keep them going. They're 17 feeder teams in the Bundesliga to them. And, uh, I don't know how you watch that league because of Bayern. Uh, this person had told me now they hate Real Madrid and Barcelona as much as they hate Bayern because they were part of that, um, uh, super league and they were the ringleaders and Bayern stayed out of it. So, uh, that, that's I, I don't think that's an isolated opinion. And mm-hmm. I, I and Juventus also. This person didn't mention Juve to me, but I think Juve also has taken a major hit from this. Now, in terms of um, within England, I don't know how long the residual damage to those six clubs will be, but it, it was uh, there's still a lot of anger towards them now. I'm wondering if there's a really good title race this season – uh, things calm down, right? Uh, uh, COVID runs its course, although uh, based on what's happening here in Florida, it's we're at the peak of the pandemic right now, uh, worse than it's been. Uh, maybe that happens in the UK also, but let's say that doesn't happen. I wonder if there's a feel-good season and people just forget about the dirty dozen or the dirty, dirty half dozen in terms of England and they just move on. I think it's possible. It just really depends how this season goes.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think they'll forget about it. I mean, based on the way – I mean. Everything that we've been through the last uh, eighteen months, and um, it, it's an escape. I mean, watching these games and getting back into it, and it's it's enjoyable. It's good to see you have your your teams that you support. You you mean it? It is an escape from reality in many ways. Um, but that having said that, the two card about kind of uh, still having a little bit of a better taste for the the, the Barcelona's, Juventus, and Real Madrid, especially those three. Uh, the same can be said too. I mean, my lasting memory of NBC's coverage of last season well, there's two, but the, the number one would have been how soft they were on the news about the European Super League and all the news. It was a, a developing story, but that day, on that Sunday, where they seemed to be like, yeah, this doesn't really make sense. I don't think I'm really for it. But yeah, it's, it's just really, really passive you mean, <laughs> critique of, of what was happening, what was unfolding, what was going to rip up the game really that that to me is my lasting memory of nbc's coverage of last season yes they did fantastic work on other things and it's been a long season and it's you know i mean it's it's one day the next day when they came back on the monday it was a different tune completely and i think they sensed how upset everybody was about this and had time to think through their foot thoughts but but, but that 's for me that 's my, my lasting you know, well, memory for
1: me i mean they, they i, I don 't think they did well with that, but for me it 's the way they handled the man United fan protests, which of course were related to the super league but uh, the way that was handled by NBC was uh uh, unforgivable yeah and, and um in rebecca lowe's case she doubled down the next day uh in an even more kind of defensive posture of, of, of the glazer so uh yeah that,
0: and maybe that's, and maybe with take away from me. and maybe with david ornstein there now too that that person can be that type of uh figure who could really understand what's going on and and really well, look, convey
1: yeah look i mean i i Neil Ashton, who had been in that role for NBC and had done well in that role, is the flat, is the is the PR person representing the Glazers and Ed Woodward when this thing
0: happens. <laughs> right.
1: So, I, I, I that's not lost on me that that might hit. <laughs> Uh, really kind of uh, skewed NBC's coverage the way it did. Or maybe it was the other people told me, oh, it's because the Blazers are NFL owners and uh, NBC's very invested in the NFL here stateside. That's possible also. It's maybe a combination of both. But yeah, so having David Ornstein, who's still a journalist and is still writing uh, that might help kind of balance that out. That's a very good point because uh, a lot of our listeners may not know what happened to Neil Ashton. He is actually now uh, – he's got his own PR shop, but his big client is Ed Woodward and uh, Manchester United. That That's his overriding uh, job now which is to be uh, um publicist for them.
0: Propaganda, right? Exactly. Propaganda,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah right. totally.
0: All right, listeners. We want you to have your say. We, we've gone. We've covered a lot of a lot of ground in this episode. Uh, and you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com dot com under the podcast uh, thread and we'll we, we'd love to read those out um, on a future episode. So, on behalf of Kartik and I um, and the World Soccer Talk crew, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week. And Kartik, what should they do? Enjoy your football.